Hello, More Than Mormon podcast listeners. Today's episode talks a lot about temples, and if that might trigger you, or if that's way too sacred for you to participate in today's conversation, feel free to skip this episode, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. He was head over heels. Yeah. I wanted to have sex. It's more than a podcast. They're more than best friends. It's more than an hour of laughing and crying and then going back to laughing again. It's more than a podcast. They're more than Hello everyone, welcome back to More Than Mormon. My name is Lena, and today I am here with my husband Isaac, who is going to be my co-host slash uh, spilling the tea about Mormon (laughs) weddings. Mormon weddings are fun. They can be. (laughs) Um, Meg is in the middle of a move, so she has no internet. And we took a break last week to give her a little bit of time to get settled to where she is right now. And then we decided that it would be really fun to give you guys an episode with Isaac. We made a poll on Instagram and asked everyone what they wanted to see. And it was a pretty big uh, win, Opie. You just need to chill, okay? (laughs) Everyone wanted to hear about our Mormon wedding and about how Isaac and I met. So I gathered all the questions and Isaac does not know what any of them are. I mean, he he knows that we're going to talk about. He's definitely been, he's given consent. Isn't that right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's given consent. He just doesn't know what the questions are. Um, Anyway, so... Shall we begin? Let's get started. Okay. Sorry, I did all the talking. Well, that's it's your podcast, so. I mean, I suppose. You're the host. I'm a guest. I don't do introductions. That's okay, but you're you're still like the big cheerleader behind the scenes, so. Yes. Okay, first question. Pretty obvious question. How did we meet? So we have kind of a star-crossed lovers almost met a dozen times in the past but never quite met um so i first met lena when i was stuck under a car trying to get an oil filter out and swearing up a storm with my dad he counts this as our first meeting (laughs) um she walked into the garage and they said hello and i stuck my hand out from under the car and waved um yeah, basically. But she actually knew my stepsisters from what? Middle school, high school? Mm-hmm. Both. Middle yeah. and high school. So my parents split up when I was a kid and my stepsisters uh, with my dad lived in Colorado where Lena lived. And they went to the same middle school, same high school. And then they kind of separated, but then reconnected when Lena joined the church because she remembered that my sisters were Mormon. So fast forward years down the road after Lena's mission, she was about to come and uh, stay with us before she went to BYU-Idaho. Now, I was taking an off semester from BYU-Idaho. I had been going there previously. And so she stayed with us for, what, two weeks? 
a week? <laughs> it's just like three or four days. Was it really? It You're feels in, like longer. It, yes. It. We have this conversation every time we talk about it. <laughs> I only stayed for a few days. It was like a long weekend. It felt very long because I enjoyed every minute of it. I was going on a date New Year's Eve and he helped me pick out <laughs> an outfit to wear to that date. You know, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Kelly and Kendra told me um, that you were coming before you actually showed up. And they were like, we think you'll like this girl. She is a convert to the church and she has tattoos. So I think you'll really like her. You definitely told me that. Yeah. <laughs> so He's told me all of his stories. Ah, yes. We're an old married couple. It's great. But so we had a good couple of days hanging out, uh, talking, and then I decided, you know, it was decided that I would take her up with my sister to BYU-Idaho to help her get settled and show her the town and everything because I'd already lived there for about a year, I think, before this happened. Uh, so I took her up and showed her around. Uh, I was dating somebody at the time, so it wasn't anything romantic. It was just... Plus, he was... <laughs> 19 turning 20 at the time yeah i had no interest so i was just a stupid kid brother of her friends he had like that wallet that had that was attached to a chain that it had the joker it, it wasn't velcro it was buttons it was snap buttons. as if that's any better it's better than velcro <laughs> but yes it had the it had the joker on it i was in the middle of my uh metalhead days where i wore nothing but band shirts and ripped jeans with a not that there's chain. anything wrong with that it was just not what she was looking for it just, at the time um, it, well it's not that his <laughs> don't say that because that's not true there's nothing wrong with his appearance it was just very obvious that he was like younger than me you know the wallet ching thing is like definitely high school I rocked the wallet chain. Don't he let didn't. her lie to you. He didn't. It broke <laughs> on a fucking bench in one of our oh, dates. So and I was so excited to I, get him a real wallet. I was so sad about that. Pretty sure she planned that. Needless to say, he was not anywhere prepared no. for. I was dating somebody. She wasn't interested at the time. I thought she was gorgeous. But I mean, who didn't? Everybody at BYU Idaho? I don't know. Well, they're a bunch of stuck up pricks, so True. doesn't matter. True. Anyways, moving on. Uh fast forward uh two or three months. Uh it was two months because it was my birthday. I had broken up with the girl I was dating, uh, and I had come up come back up to Rex. It wasn't for your birthday, it was Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Day? Oh, it was right before my birthday, that's right. I went up to Rexburg. I was planning on taking this girl up there with me and showing her uh, the BYUI campus because she went to BYU. And I went up there and got another tattoo instead uh, and stayed there by myself because I'd already booked a hotel room and everything. But one of the stops I made sure to make was by Lena's apartment. Yep. And just I came hung and out said there hi. just for a little while. But it kind of rekindled the friendship we had started, and we started Snapchatting and texting. Uh, and then not long after that, we had our first Skype conversation where we Skyped with each other, and it ended up going really, really well. We both opened up to each other, talked about different things we were struggling with and, you know, different things that we wanted to do with our lives and who we wanted to be. And we were on this Skype call all night long. 
God, it must have been four or five hours probably. Much longer than that. It was a long time. We were up all night talking and just... We were still on the Skype call the next morning when my alarm went off for class. Okay. It's like having a toddler. It's like having a toddler. <laughs> Uh, and then she came down to visit for, was it conference, right? Was the first time we you were, came back we after that? We were already kind of dating before yeah. that. So we started to, we made it official at the end of March in 2016. And then I, so we were like officially dating, but we, Kat, you're driving me nuts, dude. <laughs> um, we were officially dating, but he... And I hadn't been living in the same state. So for general conference weekend, uh, which happens twice a year, once in April, once in October. So this was April's general Mm -hmm. conference. I came down to stay with him and his family. And everyone already knew that we were dating. So I was put in a different room, you know, for all of those curious. No, we did not sleep in the same bedroom or the same bed, unfortunately. (laughs) Probably for the better. I did. This was a good moment, though, because I went and I picked her up from the shuttle that she took down from Idaho uh, and brought her back to the house. And we all hung out and it was great. And what she didn't know was I had made a surprise for her. She had mentioned in passing that she liked World War II and the 40s, like that kind of era. I like collect that memorabilia. And I had just so happened to find a uh, special magazine that was like a special edition World War II. It was a World War II uh, in color mm-hmm. time magazine edition. Really cool, really cool magazine. And a pair of like nice pink quartz earrings. And I just laid those out on her bed for her. And when she went to bed, she, I think you texted me and told me to come back and see you again. Mm-hmm. And I walked back in there and she stood up on her bed so that she would be taller than me. And that was our first kiss. She grabbed me and pulled me in and we kissed and it was great. It was like fireworks. What can I say? He was a horny 19 year old. Plus she's super hot. Well, at this point, I guess you were 20. Still super hot. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how we met. Long story short. Went to high school with his stepsisters, joined the church, reconnected with them, came home from my mission. Ironically, I was in a temple endowment ceremony that day praying to meet my future husband. So many cat hairs. That's what happens when we let them up when we record. (laughs) But I was praying, hoping that I'd meet my future husband. I was expecting to meet him in Rexburg. Didn't happen. Met him that night. Say what you will about that. It worked out for the best. Worked out. <laughs> um, yeah, all of that sounds right to me. All of that sounds accurate. Well, she's definitely in charge of what's right about that story. <laughs> uh, how did you know you were in love and ready to get married? I am and I love you, slut. Same. We, that first Skype call, actually. We wear our hearts on our sleeve. It's just a part of who we are. We'd been talking so much on Snapchat and texting back and forth. And I had, I definitely knew I had feelings for her. And that night she was telling me 
that she was always the one who says i love you first in a relationship and that she if there's didn't an ex-boyfriend watching this <laughs> tell me i'm wrong tell me i'm wrong because not wrong and so i said well how's this i'll beat you to it i think i love you and then she said i love you back so actually <laughs> there's a post on facebook that comes up every year in my memories where it says can't wait for my wife for my future wife lena to come and visit me and everyone was commenting oh my god congratulations and when We're did this happen <laughs> we hadn't like officially like made anything public on facebook or anything yet so people thought that we just were randomly engaged and the joke was that i had known his family for a really long time and i loved them and wanted to be a part of their family and he was the only one who was single so i was like come here baby <laughs> so we'd been joking about that but once we started talking and we started you know dating i i've never been one to just date i've always dated with commitment in mind and so especially being mormon being 20 in rexburg you know byu i do it was definitely on the mind from the get-go of is this the girl I want to marry? And actually, I at this point, I was still smoking. I was drinking. I was not being good in the church. I was everything that a uh, honorable priesthood holder shouldn't be. And so when we got up to Rexburg, I felt super bad. Because in my head, she was this perfect LDS return missionary she was, you know, this uh, honorable woman. And I had an issue where I felt like I was always dragging the women I was dating down to hell with me because I didn't want to be a part of the church. And so I tried to break up with her maybe a couple, a week or two into us being back up in Rexburg together and living in the and same city. And I knew city. it too. We got there. Mm -hmm. He immediately started to ignore me. Um, he would ignore my phone calls, like press ignore and then try to tell me his phone was off. I'm like, bitch, I know the difference when something goes straight to voicemail rather than ringing once <laughs> and going and then ringing like three times and going to voicemail. I, I fucking was, know what's up. I and was 20 and not very smart. I had been through this before. Still not very smart. But I know what happens when someone's about to dump me. So... <laughs> Just fucking tell me. <laughs> I had her meet me at the park in Rexburg and we were sitting on a bench and I told her like, I'm not good for you. I'm bad for you. And I'll never forget this. She looked at me and she said, I am a grown ass woman <laughs> and I can make my own decisions about what's good and what's not for me. And she didn't let me break up with her. She told me that she still wanted to be with me. And I still really wanted to be with her. That's the thing. I didn't want to break up with her, but I felt like if I didn't, then I would be damaging her potential for salvation. And so after that, it was just a done deal. At that point, I was just. He was head over heels. Yeah. I wanted to have sex. That was the context of him trying to break up with me because he felt like if we had taken our relationship to that step i would hold that against him later on when we if we decided to get married and go to the temple so i was like nope <laughs> <laughs> so 
So we had a little bit of fun in Rexburg for a, fun. a few months. And then when we decided that we wanted to get married, we were kind of both under agreement that it was a lot easier regardless of where either one of us were in our faith i was definitely like solid at this point i definitely believed it um i wanted to be married in the temple and even though we understood that there was a risk of me getting in trouble and getting kicked out of the church which i talk about in the court of love video um you know we were like okay well we'll just stop having sex and then we will go repent and we'll start the process and we'll take it from there so we actually went to my brother's wedding uh he got married at the provo city center temple which is gorgeous uh even having left the church that building is still beautiful it's one of my favorite temples um and i remember when he and his wife came out of the temple for the first time after the ceremony and everything we both just felt this huge rush of emotion, which now we know is not the spirit. It's just endorphins. But at that point, two people we love so much just got married and they come out of the temple and they look happy and in love. And so, of course, and we're also happy and in love. Like, it's like the perfect fucking storm. So we talked about it that night and we decided we wanted, when we went back to Rexburg, that we wanted to start living the gospel and we wanted to start living righteously so we could get married in the temple too because we felt like it was something we needed to do. So we went back to Rexburg and we were engaged a couple of weeks later. Like, and long story short, that's definitely for another podcast, but we were forced out of Rexburg and we decided at the time that we would move to Utah where his family was. Obviously I was close with his family too. And we would spend our time there in the same ward with the same Bishop going through the repentance process so we could get married. So we moved in with my parents um, and had to start looking for a room to rent for Lena because they did not want her living in the same house as me while we were engaged. Similarly, um, I'm sure it's still a rule now, if there are two people of the opposite sex, even if they're just roommates, they can't live together to get baptized. So they're, you know, the roommate has to move or the person that is being taught and wants to be baptized will have to move. Um, you know, if they're a couple, they have to decide, do we break up or do we get married? Do we just live in separate places? Because it's, against the rules so very quickly i found a room to rent with someone who to this day fantastic that family's amazing um they gave me a very beautiful room for basically nothing to stay in and it was just down the street so i spent a lot of time um you know after we would get off of work over at his house with his family and you know, that's where we spent all of our time prior to getting married. Uh, during this time, we were both going to the same ward, my parents' ward, and we were meeting with the bishop, going through the repentance process. And like Lena said, she went through a court of love where they decided, you know, here's what you need to do in order to get back to being worthy of having a temple recommend so you can both be married in the temple. For me, it was a lot less strenuous because I was not endowed. 
and I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, they didn't really care what I had done because it's very patriarchal, misogynistic church. Um, but it was still, there were a lot of rules still, uh, like Lena mentions in our court of love video, it was, uh, we always had to have supervision around. We weren't allowed to have, you know, single dates. We weren't allowed to go out like that. Uh, we weren't allowed to, was it midnight or 10? 10. Yeah. I thought I couldn't remember. So we weren't allowed to stay out past 10. She had to be back home by 10 and they checked up. They followed up to make sure that we were following these rules. They talked to my family. They talked to the family she was staying with. And it was just kind of a mess for six months-ish. Very difficult. And anyone who's planned a wedding knows that that is already kind of like a stressful experience. Uh, If you're engaged and you're watching this, just you two decide what you want out of that day and you do it. It doesn't matter what the rest of the family wants. Anyway, that's also another story. <laughs> it is about you. It's not about the family. Traditionally, especially in the church, it's like the other way around. Um, how did you propose? <laughs> so there... There's two stories. There are two stories. So the first story is I had been driving around and listening to the radio and I'd heard a sale at a ring shop in town where they were doing anything that had been on the shelf for more than a year. It was half off. So I was trying to figure out a way that I could sneakily go and look at rings and I was making this plan. And then we were driving together and she heard the same ad and said, we should go look at rings. And I was so mad. It's not like it was a secret. No, we had known that this is that that was the next step. Yeah, we were heading this direction. We both wanted to get married, but I still wanted to try and surprise her. Yeah. I have learned since then that this is nearly impossible. He's gotten good at it now. I have. I've it's taken me years to figure <laughs> it out, but I've figured out some tricks, but at this point, so we decided to just go look together. It was not planned that this is when we were going to get a ring or anything like that, but we went and we found two rings which were within our budget. Uh, one for her and one for me and we loved it and we were trying to decide do we want to do this so we went to the chick-fil-a across the street from the shop and we sat down and we had a really serious conversation over our we chicken McNuggets. because we knew we knew that if we did this on an empty stomach we could be making mm-hmm. a rash decision and as if we weren't already and we decided that we wanted to get married. We decided we wanted to get engaged. Nobody knew at this point. No. Nope. <laughs> I had asked no. I'd never even seen her father. He, yeah, at this point, he's only met n- no one. I've met no one. He has met one of my best friends and my other, one of my other best friends was my roommate, but that was it. But we'd been dating for six months. He hadn't even met Meg yet. And in Mormon time, six months is like 10 years. So. Yeah, I was about six months. <laughs> Just making sure. You uh, know, fact checked. Yeah. She always has to fact check me. I embellish. Um, And so we bought the rings and we left with them. We took pictures and we were so excited. I wore my ring every day. Just like an engagement ring because I was so excited to marry her. I had it on for 10 days. 
and I was getting sick and tired of not being able to say anything to anybody. Like I couldn't do anything on social media. I couldn't like, unless they were like immediately in front of my face, I couldn't say anything. And I was really frustrated. I was terrified. So it's like, you need to at least, if you're not going to ask, you need to at least tell everyone that it's happening. So they're not blindsided. And that was his job. That's, that's the job of the dude. I'm just saying. I don't really succumb to gender roles and traditions now. At the time I did. Okay. It's very important. We had already foregone the beautiful surprise. So I was like, you better fucking make a phone call and you better okay, do it fast. But the foregoing of the surprise was your own doing. I'm not saying it wasn't. <laughs> so, And I said, you owe me at least this. And so I tried. I really tried, you guys. I spent an entire day on the phone. I dropped her off at work that morning. And I went back to my apartment and I spent the whole day talking to my mom, my dad, her mom, and her dad. This was my first time. I had stolen her phone and gotten her dad's phone number I out of it. I do not know how this occurred. <laughs> I found it, got it, and called him with no warning. And I introduced myself, and we spoke for probably about an hour. And at the end of the phone call, I said, you know, sir, I am planning on proposing to your daughter, and I would really love your permission and your blessing to do so. And he said, I appreciate you calling me and talking to me. I'm going to say no (laughs) for right now, maybe once I've known you for a little bit longer. And apparently I, he didn't make it clear that it was happening. Apparently that not. <laughs> apparently the message didn't come through of, I am going to, I, it's happening. And so <laughs> after all of this happens, I go to pick her up from work and I have her put her headband over her eyes. I'm in a Walmart uniform. I'm disgusting. Beautiful. Covered in dust and paint. Gorgeous. Opie, what do you think? He's like, this is happy hour for me. <laughs> Asshole, man. And so I have her put this blindfold on and I have this all planned. I have the empty ring box because she's already wearing it. And I'm going to drive her up to the temple and have her facing it and me right in front of her with the empty ring box. Mind you, and this is where just about everyone gets engaged. I'm not very... Again... 20 years old, not very smart. I've gained like two IQ points. I mean, he married me, so he has something going for him. That was the two brain cells I had at the time. I think I'm worth (laughs) a little bit more than two brain cells. I only had those two. They were all devoted to you. (laughs) So try. I pull into the parking lot of the temple and she says, why are we at the temple? Because this psychopath in her head. I'm not. (laughs) Is tracking the turns that I'm making I in the car. I have ADHD. I, we didn't know this at the time. She goes, okay, we made a left and then we drove observant. for three minutes and then we made a right and a left and then we parked. We must be at the temple. And so I'm like, we're not at the temple. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Drag her up to the front of the temple. And I do the proposal. Some kid is watching us on the bench and it's really he turns funny. around. <laughs> it was really cute I, and I told cute. her 
I talked to your mom, I talked to your dad, I talked to my parents, and we are doing this thing. Will you marry me? And she said yes for the second time. <laughs> and stories may have been embellished in between this time because we hadn't told everyone yet, but yes, that's the story. He said, uh, I said yes. And twice. oh, I'd say it a third time if I had to, but I don't have to. So yeah, that's a story. I said yes. And I am, like I said, I, I was pretty into the traditions and the gender norms at the time, but I'm not someone who likes surprises. And <laughs> I, I feel like that's uh, very common with people who have anxiety and ADHD. <laughs> so undiagnosed I, at this time. Yeah, it was also. very undiagnosed. And so I was just... I could not handle the anticipation of thinking it could be coming and not knowing when. And I also could not handle the anticipation of not knowing what the ring looked like. Not that I had, I didn't have anything in mind. It wasn't about that. It, I, I just like to know things. I will say I picked the ring. He did. He picked the ring. I did pick the ring, even though she was there. I'm the one who pointed this one out to her and yes. she picked it. And I, and I loved it. So anyway, that was like, so I was very observant. I couldn't handle all of those like weird surprises. I have surprised her a total of, I think, three times in our entire relationship. So this to me was like the perfect engagement. We had some time where it was just us. No one was involved. And then I got antsy and I was ready to tell people. And even though it was cheesy and predictable that he took me to the temple, I said, you owe me getting down on one knee after you've, you know, at least warned the family. You owe that to me at least because I wanted that. And he gave it to me. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Dating her was the best. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, how did Lena's non-member family react? So you heard, you heard my dad. He wasn't particularly thrilled. There was a few months where we didn't talk. We don't have a relationship where we talk all the time anyway. So that wasn't necessarily out of the normal, but I do think that it, <laughs> I do think it was a little bit of a shock that his baby was getting married to a guy that he had not met. Or given permission to. Yes. Who had got, specifically gone against his instructions and proposed anyways. My mom was thrilled. She was a member, obviously, but she was thrilled. Um, the rest of my family was incredibly supportive. Um, the downside was that they lived, all of them, in Colorado. And we were living in Utah. So we were planning a wedding in Colorado. Because it's a lot easier to take the family that could afford it which was isaac's family and take them to colorado plus everyone had a history with colorado to begin with. i was born in fort collins mm -hmm. this cat <laughs> <laughs> i was born in fort collins Come here. Uh, i had spent my summers there growing up um four minutes from where she grew up we actually just found out that the houses we grew up in where i spent my summers and where she lived were four minutes apart yeah <laughs> so uh, it was it was something that was really special to both of us. Uh, Colorado's our favorite place in the world. 
we love every time we go to visit. Fort Collins Temple is still It's gorgeous. It was brand new. I'll put a couple pictures in. It was brand new at this point. It had only been open for less than a year. I'm pretty sure, yeah, we were, I mean, we definitely weren't the first couple, but we were, you know, that first wedding season to come through. Although we did get married at the end in January. But when you're Mormon, there is like no such thing as wedding season. People get engaged and married year round. Yep. So with that, we decided to go out there and make it happen. My dad was actually living out of state at that point. In Colorado. In Colorado, just outside, of, uh, just a little while outside of Fort Collins. So he helped us plan everything there, helped us find the venue, helped, you know, scout everything and talk to different, uh, you know, people in the temple and the wards and the stake and everything out there. And my family, there. they were wonderful. They, a lot of them came... Uh, from Colorado Springs over to Fort Collins. So they drove a very long way to stand in the cold just so they could be in, you know, these family group pictures, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe they were allowed into the waiting room inside the yes, temple. So they, they, were did, they, in the they didn't have to be like outside, outside freezing. <laughs> um, but it was so sweet. Like my, um, my stepsister was like, what color do you want me to wear? And uh everyone was so supportive you know in terms of non-member family honestly they were incredible they would have done whatever i wanted they loved me they love me and they love isaac and that you know they wanted they (laughs) wanted to be there to support us however they could so we planned a ring ceremony that way i could still get the dad and daughter walking up the aisle we wrote our own vows slash he spit it out I of his improved. mouth last minute. He did great. Ish. I loved it. Um, we had my YSA bishop, the YSA I was baptized in, officiate, who, again, love him. Incredible. He did so great good. Guy. He gave us advice that has stuck, and we have used it constantly. One of the things he said is to appreciate each other. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason that felt like it resonated because it's, you know, it's one thing to love each other. It's one thing to like each other, but it's a whole other thing to actually appreciate the other person. And it's something we say on a daily basis. All the time. I appreciate you. Almost more than I love you. Honestly. They're about tied. Yeah. So they were wonderful, wonderful. Um, The first time I met her dad and her stepmom was two days before the wedding yeah we had just drove in from utah to colorado and we met for dinner Mm -hmm. so that was the first time that they that they met and obviously fell in love with him right away because there's nothing you can't love about this this man over here (laughs) um the rest of my family loves him they were so incredible i can't even like if my family's watching this i never sent out more than like seven thank yous i'm so sorry a lot of people were really upset about that it's not because we aren't grateful it's because my brain just couldn't and still to this day i never ever get to the post office on time ever but we got there and family like immediately started to help set up and like Mm -hmm. help decorate and family members that i didn't ask to help they just did it um his family was amazing his um mom's well stepmom and stepsisters 
totally came in with all of their wedding expertise um, <laughs> and helped us decorate, helped us put things together. Um, they put the whole reception they, together. They were amazing. They, they set it so all much. up. We Everything really didn't have great. to do anything, honestly. And, um, you know, if you are going to have a bigger wedding, I highly recommend doing it that way. Get your entourage to help you. Um <laughs> in terms of what we expected, it's not necessarily what we expected. I mean, to be fair, I did grow up outside of the church. And so I never anticipated my wedding being like it was like, I always envisioned it a lot more like the movies where, you know, you don't see the groom anytime before you're walking down the aisle. We rode to the temple. We stayed in the same hotel. We rode to the temple together um, all of our wedding pictures that were like formal were taken a couple weeks and the night before. So mm -hmm. he had already seen me in my dress. Um, you know, so it was not necessarily what I had envisioned. Meanwhile, I still to this day have never seen a normal <laughs> wedding. That's not true. Kenji's wedding was normal. Ish. That's what normal weddings are like. I guess that's true. Kenji's wedding. Well, he has, but it was only one. And this was after we had been married. And already left. Yeah, so up to this point, I think I had seen one other wedding, but I was like nine or ten. So I didn't pay attention or care. Young. So every other wedding I'd ever been to was a Mormon wedding where everyone sits outside of the temple and waits for them to come out. And then you go and have a party afterwards. Mm -hmm. So... It was exactly what I was expecting. And the what was important to me, I wanted a dress that I liked. I wanted my bouquet to be real. I didn't I was so thankful that all of my all of the girls got to have real flowers. Um and I wanted the photography to be a fucking plus. And it was Thanks, Jackie. Shout out to Jackie. Incredible again. <laughs> I put in pictures because I am not even ashamed of if like, you need a I, photographer and you're so, on the East Coast, yes. hit up my sister. Yes, I will I will link her information below because she's incredible. Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, so those were the things that were really important to me. He just wanted me to be happy. We both agreed that the party at the end was like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I've always envisioned my wedding just being a giant party where everyone is dancing <laughs> and having a good time. And that is exactly what happened. We have footage of I don't know how old my grandpa was at the time. Let's 89, see. maybe. Let's see. He's what? Did 95 he just turn 95? Now? He's 95 or 96 now. So he would have been 90 or 91. He was when jamming. We got married, and he was dancing with all of my little cousins. So adorable. Um, and just having a blast. Her grandma was there. I, this is, this is huge for me. Cause I remember my entire mission. Um, you know, my grandma, had a real rough time for a very long time. And I was so afraid she was going to pass away on my mission. And I just remember like my, my thing with God was get her to my wedding. And she was there. And I have like the sweetest picture. If I can find it, I'll put it in of her seeing me the first time. And she just, she loses it and she's grabbing my hand. Oh, precious. Oh, I, I love, God, I love your grandma. I love it. So um, you know, it, it wasn't what we would have planned for ourselves, but it was, it was, perfect. it was perfect for what we had 
for what the event was. For throwing for, it together in six months, getting married less than a year. Uh, doing after it out of been, state. Um, we've been uh, dating yeah. for 10 months when we got married. Yeah. Our wedding was 10 months into our relationship. So pulling a wedding together that fast, it took an army <laughs> to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But between the two of uh, between the two of our families, uh, everything worked out and it was great. And it was perfect. So when it comes to the ceiling, <laughs> let, let's backtrack. So <laughs> I was already endowed. I was already wearing those Jesus jammies, those magic underwear, the, the ugly of uglies. I was already wearing them. I got endowed in December before. So it was after Christmas and we had just gotten the okay to go back into the temple mm -hmm. I and, had just and, gotten... he, and he needed his endowment before we could get sealed. And his dad was in Utah for Christmas and it was literally the perfect timing. My mom was there. Everyone my was, in was town. there. Everyone was there. I had my grandma, you know, on my mom's side and my aunts and uncles on my mom's side. They were all there as well. Visiting Everyone family. was in town. It was perfect. So it was perfect timing. We all went and <laughs> the first thing out of my mouth after the endowment. Well, first, okay. So I know we've talked about the fact that the, um, like the little overhead officiator, like the recording or whatever, because I, I think it's a recording, says, yeah. like, once you sit down, um, you know, if you aren't if, ready to make these covenants, it's like you you're going to take some really serious covenants here between you and God. You're not prepared for this leave. And I almost got up and left. And everyone is there. And mm -hmm. I, I was on the other side. And I, I remember, like, looking over at him when they said that. And I was like, please don't stand up. Like, I have thought about this. it. It was so scary because I'd always been kind of loose with the church. I had gone inactive multiple times. Uh, like I said, you know, I struggled with smoking and drinking and I, you know, wanted to not be a part of the church many times before this, you know, a, a year ago at that point I was smoking and doing drugs and all that mess. So it was a really scary thought, you know, am I pure? Am I clean enough to go through this and make all these covenants with God? But everyone was there. So I didn't want to back out. And we had done the temple prep, one of the temple prep classes, um, uh, one of the temple prep classes. One of the questions was about temple prep, asking if Isaac took temple prep and how it compared to the. They don't tell you shit. <laughs> <laughs> They don't tell you anything about what's going to happen in there. No. They just kind of, they just kind of talk about, you know, what, this is what you're going to do when you go to the temple. You're going to make covenants. Very, very broad. You're going to make vague. promises. You're going to make covenants. And you're going to want to go over and over again because it's all metaphorical. It's all symbolic. It's all, you know, you need to appreciate it more than once. And so that's kind of the temple prep that I had. Our temple prep teachers were fantastic. Mm -hmm. Kindest couple ever. And they... But the thing is, unless you're a temple prep teacher that's like our age, you know, chances are pretty high that you're not going to be very like explicit with the details. And they weren't. They didn't tell me anything about what was going to go on. Mm -hmm. I, the first time I ever knew that they were temple clothes 
that you had to wear that weren't just a shirt and tie uh, was when I bought them. It was when my dad took me to go pick out my temple clothes. Uh, I don't, I don't, you get to pick out your dress or is it just one dress for everyone? Uh, they have options. Because with the guys, they were like, what socks do you want? What ties do you want? Yeah. The only thing that's uniform is the shirt. But I had, you know, a choice. So I got to pick all that out. And then they busted out the fucking apron. And I had no idea what that shit was. <laughs> I tried to tell him. You can't really prepare anyone until you're standing in the clothes. And they they straight up take you into a back room in Deseret. And shut the door. They do. It's like very secretive. So and you're it like, was what me, the fuck my is dad, about to happen right now? It was me, my dad, and the salesperson. And they start pulling out these hats and sashes. And they're talking about hooks versus Velcro. And Did you go for the Velcro? No, I went with the hooks. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The last thing I want in the temple is... <laughs> Fair. And so... Fair. So that was my first time. And then sitting in the temple, I had such a hard time getting dressed, you guys. Because, okay. It's awkward. So for the girls, they get to go into this bridal suite. Not not for, for the, the endowment, for the wedding. Oh, yeah, for the wedding. They get this huge, gorgeous bridal suite. And they get to get ready. And, and we wear our full temple getup during the sealing ceremony. Mm -hmm. So as you go through the endowment, you start in, you know, for women, you start in their and dress their dress. For men, they're in their white shirt, their tie, their white pants or whatever. And you have like your white temple. belt even. Your temple packet. And inside the packet is like the belt and the sash mm -hmm. and the apron. Um, the for the women, the veil. For the men, the hat. And so as you progress through hat. the ceremony... You add these clothings, these clothing items onto your body. Sometimes you take them off and you move them and you take off your shoes and it's a whole ordeal. And then at the end of the ceremony, you have everything, you know, hat or veil, everything's, you know, in its proper place. When you go into a ceiling, it is in that entire getup that you go. You basically skip to the end yes. instead of going through the whole process. And it's, and it's really common for the roles to be reversed where the guy has been endowed and the girl is getting endowed for the first time. Sometimes it's just like a week or a few days before the wedding slash ceiling. A lot of the time they don't do a ring ceremony. Um, sometimes it's the day of, but for us it was, you a know, month a, a month before. Um, so, so I, I had no idea about anything that was going on and I had, so when I was getting ready to go to the temple and I was talking to my dad and my stepmom about going to the temple and everything, I have tattoos on my thighs of uh, some bands that I like, uh, you know, metal bands. And so they're not necessarily church appropriate. One of them is actually a giant bony metal finger. And my dad was talking to my stepmom like I wasn't even in the fucking room and he was like, what are they going to say when they see that? And I'm like, why would they be seeing it? And they wouldn't tell me. Turns out when they got endowed, you were naked under the shield. 
and it had just like mm-hmm. giant cutouts, which I believe we may have mentioned before. It's basically like a poncho mm-hmm. without like a full covering. It just covers your front and it covers your back and, and your entire side is exposed. And so it's not like that now. <laughs> I had was, no idea that that was even a possibility. And so was I was panicking when he went in to get endowed because I didn't want to be naked in front of these old guys. Can you blame him? Uh, luckily, it ended up just being change into your garments before you start the endowment. I got to go through fully clothed. And for men, you know, the garment is very much like this. Just it's a just an undershirt. And, just and... like boxer shorts mm-hmm. comes to your knee. If you're taller like him, it maybe, you know, doesn't come directly to your knee or whatever. Yeah. So. So that was avoided and it wasn't a big problem. Um, but when I was going through the endowment, I was struggling I put my sash on backwards. It's awkward for everybody. I had no idea. And my dad's there helping me. And everyone has to wait. Everyone has to wait until you are done. And you wear this thing on your shirt. And so everyone knows it's your first time. Mm -hmm. And so everyone is totally like lovingly patient but it's super quiet it's kind of like for you trying to struggle to put these it's kind of like if you've ever been trying to put the change back into your wallet (laughs) and everyone behind you is like waiting for you to finish the fuck up but you're like if i don't put my change back in my wallet i will never find it again that's exactly the feeling and so yeah so it's exactly like that and so uh, you know everybody else in in the ceremony has been there before they know how the clothing goes they've done it you know so you're anxious you're scared it's your first time and you're just like fumbling with like all this and it's weird, weird. Stuff. so yeah. you're like it's a whole anxiety mess but we get through the whole endowment it goes fine and then there's like this two paragraph long thing that you have to say i at the end. I I gave it to you guys. I will. There'll be a tag somewhere up here in the corner. I'll tag you to the video. Um, I don't know if there's timestamps in that particular video, but I do quote it verbatim. You can go hear it. It's long. It's like a good minute it's, worth of talking. And so this is the first time he's ever heard it. And so I'm up at the veil all by myself, and I can't even remember how it starts. And so it's just this old stranger next to me who's just whispering so close to my ear. Like, I mean, he's like licking the inside of my ear. He's so close. Gross. And he, (laughs) it's so uncomfortable and so awkward and I didn't like it. And I get through the veil and I get into the celestial room. And the first person I go to is Lena. And I go up and I hug her and I whisper in her ear. I get why everyone thinks we're a cult now. (laughs) was the first thing I said and she's like yeah no it's weird yep and then after that it was it was fine it was just normal and we attended the temple several times Mm -hmm. after that oh yeah we were we were really good right at least once or twice a month after we got married for the first six months you know while we were still really active we were going to the temple frequently um and making sure that we were following, you know, all the guidance that we were given of, you know, make sure you attend the temple regularly and yep. together all the time. Yep. And I I hated it every time. It sucked. Uh, oh, circling back on our wedding day, um, I got dressed in a locker room. Oh, yeah. The same locker room. <laughs> yeah. So I got dressed in like this beautiful, gorgeous <laughs> bridal suite. I'm the only one in it. There's mirrors everywhere. And... I'm just like the star of the show. 
Meanwhile, he's cramped in this teensy, very tiny stall. Clearly, he's not a tiny dude. Has a little plastic seat that you can sit on to put your shoes on. (laughs) uh, And, like, six lockers that are about this wide. Mm -hmm. So it's shove your clothes in here and get dressed and then walk upstairs. So I have to get in the whole outfit with the hat, the sash, the apron, everything. And then walk my happy ass upstairs to wait for my wife. And we spent some time in the celestial room while everyone entered the temple who was allowed to be in the temple. Mm -hmm. And they sat everyone. Usually from my understanding, they put everyone like bride side, groom side. But I had like a handful of people you know, there who were able to be there for me, technically. I mean, everyone's there for everybody. Um, One of the elders who taught and baptized me, shout out Elder Pedro. Elder Pedro, you're a G. Love him. Seriously, his family's incredible. Um, Um, The guy who married us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so. Was my, when I was eight years old, I took piano lessons from this man's wife. So my piano teacher from when I was a kid was at my ceiling because her husband was the one sealing us. Um, and that, so it ended up, so they originally were not the people assigned to, or this, I think he was this in the male, what was his name? Brother, uh, Brother Stock. He wasn't assigned to do our temple ceiling, but when he saw the name and recognized uh, Isaac's mom. She taught all of uh, my siblings. Uh, she and my mom were close friends. She knew him, uh, her husband very well um, when we lived in Wyoming when I was a kid. And so it just so happened that he was part of the temple presidency. So they, they swapped and he came and did our ceiling. And I I don't know about you, but I feel like we got lucky in the terms of like, we got to look at each other. We were encouraged to look at each other. Some a lot people, of the times they some, tell them, look at yeah, me. Yeah, look at me, which is so weird. So we were looking at each other. I'm short though, you know, so I'm my whole arm. Oh, so you you kneel at an altar. And you hold hands. And you hold hands in the patriarchal grip, just like this. So as you can see, his uh, middle finger is right Push there. It right there. Our pinkies are hooked. In the right hand. Mm-hmm. And so we do that across like a little altar. altar while we're both kneeling on the other side of it. And then the guy who's presiding is standing at the front. He's kind of standing at the front while our families are behind us mm-hmm. on either side, on and either side. And there's these mirrors. giant mirrors and the uh, symbolism, which actually I still think it's a really beautiful cool ceremony. It's just is to weird. see like, uh, you Eternity. know, the past and the present, you know, and to see, you know, not only are you drawing in your ancestors, but you're also there with your family and you can like think about your future. And, um, you know, so the rooms are gorgeous. Again, I'll attach some pictures. It was really beautiful. Um, The ceremony itself isn't anything special. It lasts a few minutes, but because he knew Isaac, you know, he gave, you know, a cute little talk. I remember absolutely nothing. Oh, none of it. I was just staring at him. I was so happy. Um, I wasn't I, paying attention in the slightest. Yeah. I'm just glad I said I do when when the time came. Well, technically was just, it was yes. But. Yeah, well, you know, whatever. Um, I was just lost staring at her the whole time. I was so fat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I felt pretty, so. She was gorgeous. Don't let her tell you that. Um, she was beautiful and... I mean, we did get a little kiss over the altar. They they encouraged a kiss over the altar. 
And then we separated to change out of our temple clothes and into our wedding clothes. Yeah, so got in I did not get married in my wedding dress. I got married in my temple dress, um, you know, with everything on. um, That gorgeous $1,300 gown was not seen in the ceiling. No. Um, And then, (laughs) so we meet up in the lobby of the temple and we go and we stand in the little foyer that's... It's... It's tradition to send everyone out of the temple and to gather everyone that has been waiting and to wait outside of the door so the bride and the groom can exit together. Mm-hmm. And so they have like a little entryway where everyone kind of waits. So it's like it's like a, a door, a little foyer, and then a door. So we leave the temple lobby and we're in the in-between and we're standing there just kind of like trying to appreciate the moment we just got married 15 minutes ago i'm so excited you look amazing i love and you all so of much. our loved ones are going to be outside with cameras shoved in our face and so we just wanted like a moment 30 together. seconds just to like have a breath and like and prepare. then my dad opens the door and he's like it is cold outside and there are people waiting <laughs> <And> we're like <laughs> <laughs> and everyone can see us because he's just like Throws the doors open. He's like, it is freaking cold, so you everyone guys. Everyone has like that it. psych out cheer where they're like, ah, never mind, never mind. It's not time. And then we. And then. We made, we made the our exit. exit. They're like, God, dad, get out. Get out, go. <laughs> um, again, end of January. So we. In Colorado. We took some pictures. There are some elders I served with who drove all the way there. Shout out Elder Brewer and Elder Stevenson if you're. If you happen to ever watch and this. shout out to my best college friends, Rowena and Ashley. They drove all the way out to see us as when well. When we tell you that we felt very loved, we mean it. There and were so many people there. A girl who served in my home ward even showed up. She was in Colorado and she came to our wedding and she's still a really close family friend to this mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. But we had so many people. Come. I think we had over 200 people we, at our we wedding. We had so many people come. Everyone partied. It was a great time. It was a blast. Um, it was so fun. And it was beautiful. And even though it wasn't the wedding that we would have picked for ourselves, um, it was perfect. It worked yep. exactly as it needed to. So the wedding night. That was another question. So this is kind of funny. So... Apparently, it's also tradition in, like, Mormondom to have, like, a going-away dress. Some people choose to stay in their dress. I thought about that, but I was, like, really into this whole entire idea because, I don't know, tradition. So, I decided to get back into the dress that I had taken some of my engagement pictures in. And my maid of honor, Kelsey, came back with me, and I was like, what do I do? Like, do I put, like, my lingerie over, like, my garments? Because we've talked about the fact that bra goes over your garment top. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, that just doesn't seem right. And I didn't know if it was okay for me to take all of them off and wear lingerie underneath. So I just kept my garments on. He had already seen me in my garments, mind you. We had had sex plenty of it. Many, many times. Like... It the night of the wedding was not a concern for. It's no. so taboo in Mormon culture to have sex before you're married that when we left our wedding, we went to our hotel, 
to take a breath and just kind of drop all of our stuff off. Oh yeah. So in between the ceiling and the reception reception and ring ceremony, we had a handful of hours. So we took all of our like luggage and stuff and, and checked into our hotel and dropped it off. And everyone was like, we know what you were doing over there. And we're like, are you fucking kidding? We didn't me? even take off anything. No, we didn't even take off our shoes. We were there for like 20 minutes we ate some neaters and we had some Dr. Pepper. Yeah, long enough to like sit down, <laughs> have a bite to eat. Like I took my shoes off because I was in heels, but it literally like it wasn't anything like reapply some lipstick and head out the door. We there was there was no hookup, but no one believed us. But everyone was like so anxious about like what we may have been doing. And it's so funny because it's like, why is it their business? And also they knew we'd had sex. Most everyone. They, they, it wasn't explicitly stated, but they knew. We, we had to go knew. through a six month repentance process. Mormons gossip. It wasn't a surprise. Like, there was no secrets here. No, no but secrets. But they were all like, ooh, you guys were probably fucking. And we were like, we really okay, weren't. No. <laughs> like if it really like is great for you to imagine that, so be it. But no, that's not what happened. Um, obviously when we came back the second time we did the deed, I sent him back to the car while I changed into my lingerie so I could at least have some sort of surprise. It was on for maybe 10 seconds. And that, yeah, lingerie is, it's a great, <laughs> it's great if you haven't already seen each other naked, but it's not necessary. I mean, it could be fun. Oh, it was, it, it was a blast for those 10 seconds. For those 10 seconds. <laughs> Um, and then we ended up ordering Pizza Hut and we sat in bed. We went through all of our cards and we just watched TV and we were dead fucking tired. <laughs> we were exhausted. Well, we had driven eight hours through the snow to get there a couple of days before. It had been nonstop work to get the wedding off and to make it happen. We and were at a wedding. You don't have time to just like hang out. Like we had talking to people. Anything. Yeah. You're not eating. The food was amazing at our reception. and We didn't get any of it. I still dream about those cupcakes. They were so good. <laughs> Shout out to whatever your name is. I'm so sorry. I forget all the time. My mom reminds me whoever made our cake and our cupcakes were it was delicious. Delicious. Literal dreams about those cupcakes. Amazing. So we had a really great wedding. Our wedding night was a lot of fun. Uh, we went on honeymoon on a cruise. We enjoyed our time together. Um, you know, and then we just came back to normal life. Um, one of the questions. Yeah. Was... As a new Mormon couple, what were your plans for the future? And how did being Mormon play a role in those plans? <clears throat> we didn't want kids right away. No, we decided to wait a year. Which is, I feel like it's one or the other. You end up with a honeymoon baby or it's like, we're going to wait a year or two. Mm -hmm. We were on the, we're going to wait. Because we were still, I was, I turned 21. <laughs> so our honeymoon she was my legal guardian. That's right. Because I was still 20 when we got married uh, by 20 days. I'm sorry, 20, 23 days. Something like that. 23 days. I by the time we 21. left on our honeymoon. So we had to like go through all these hoops to get like copies of like. I couldn't buy the tickets because I wasn't 21 and, and they started Nothing alcohol. could be in his name. It was so funny. Oh my God, it was such a 
pain in the ass. But it's like I'm trying to like be all manly with my wife, and I ended up being the one. They were like, make sure you bring your wedding certificate, like your uh, marriage license and everything, and the certificate that you got married, because if you don't, we're just going to assume that she's sneaking a minor on board so that you can drink. Hilarious. I swear to God. <laughs> so we went. So on, he was, he, we were both young. We were kids mm-hmm. at that point. We were both really young and we both wanted to just be married for a little while first. Um, so we found out what our ward was. We moved, uh, you know, we went, started going to church every week. Our roles were pretty traditional. I did work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we definitely, you know, we had nightly prayer uh, we read scriptures together. We tried together, to read scriptures together. Went to the temple on date went night. Went to the temple. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and we had a calling as teachers. Uh, we taught the, was it the 13-year-olds? 12 or 13-year-olds? I think we were 12. So that, that kind of tween age group. And mm-hmm. we were great. We loved it. The kids loved us. We loved the kids. And then Lena got sick. So we had, you know, we planned, you know, just Mm -hmm. like every other Mormon couple, like I have a bunch of babies and, um, (laughs) when we first got together, she wanted seven kids, eight of them. And I just tried to kind of whittle that number down over the course of our relationship. So, you know, we were pretty, you know, we are, you're pretty typical average. Mm-hmm. We tried to, Mormon you know, couple. get with the other recently married young couples in our ward and everything. And it didn't work out because there, we, we were just in more of like a young family area rather than like a young married couple. And we yeah. weren't we were in salt lake we weren't like in provo so we weren't at like those married student wards or anything like that there were like three other couples our age i mean our age they're probably you know eight to ten years older yeah they were which is fine but but it just wasn't our group we didn't want to be a part of that so yeah we ended up just kind of being on our own a lot and kind of distancing ourselves. and then when lena started getting sick and started not being able to go to church as often uh, you know, she was really tired all the time and couldn't get herself out of bed to go to church. So. For those of you who don't know, I've got a brain tumor. It's benign, but it does fuck with me. We didn't know it at the time. No. And so uh, this is kind of when we started struggling with the church because they started gossiping. And um, I lost my job right after Lena got her diagnosis with the tumor. Actually, the day she got her diagnosis, I was leaving early to take her to an appointment and I got fired. So that sucked. And the church refused to help us. Uh, They helped us with rent, half of rent one month. And then they told us how they wouldn't do anything else for us besides the Bishop's storehouse. We got to go there maybe twice. And then they uh, demanded that we uh, take seeing like our bank statements and like they wanted to make sure that we weren't actually just spending our money elsewhere and trying to like strip the church of their funds yeah and then they said in order to continue taking advantage of the storehouse we had to take a was it six it was or a 12, 12 week, week self-reliance course uh and they were like you have to come every saturday from this time to this time or we won't help you and i was working a job where i only got i was working five nights a week five hours a night and i was only making about it's 200 bucks so a week. minimal I was not bringing home anything. It was awful. And 
we, I, I had to work Saturdays because I got paid extra on Saturdays. So we couldn't do that. So they stopped helping us. So we stopped going to church. I, you know, it was it, just it too wasn't, much. It wasn't like an intentional, we're never going back. It was, you're not feeling well. We actually kind of discussed, come back over this way. We actually kind of discussed, you know, waiting until the time changed. So usually uh, there's more than one congregation or ward in a stake, which is like a whole geographical location. And uh, each ward or congregation will take turns using uh the the time slots the the time slots that way not everyone is crammed in the same room during sacrament yeah and so at the time our church was at nine o'clock we were like well maybe we'll wait until church gets switched to 11 o'clock or one o'clock it'll be a lot easier for us to go because at this point we were still teaching the kids and we loved those kids they were they were our kids we loved them like they were our own family and they came to us with all of their issues and it was great. And so that it was like the main reason I was still going. I went every Sunday, made sure that they were taught, made sure we had a good lesson with them. Uh, if Lena couldn't make it, I went by myself and they had someone else come in and sit with me. And then we started struggling with infertility and the bishop and other people in the ward were telling us that it was because We had had sex before marriage. We were being punished by God. And even though we had fully repented and been forgiven, this was the consequence. And so we were already starting to kind of struggle. People were telling us I was only going for the class and then I was going home. And we were being told you'd be a better teacher if you went to all three hours. You need to start coming to church more often. And then they took our kids away. They took our calling away. They they changed it. The kids went to a different teacher and we got assigned a different group of kids who were far younger and that I didn't really, you know, have that kind of connection with and they, that I wasn't, they didn't tell me that this was happening. I just Yeah, came. they totally just sprung it on us too. I came. They didn't telling us they were releasing us <clears throat> and they didn't tell us why. And, you know, up until, you know, maybe a month before this, you know, they were telling us how much the kids loved having us as their teachers and how much they were learning and growing. And um, so so we, you know, we, we can't say for sure, but it really did feel like, fine, you're not going to come to church. You're not going to pay your tithing. You know, we're going to take away the calling that you love because we made it clear, like, you know, right now we're not really in you know, the mental headspace to be coming every Sunday for three hours, but, you know, we will come and teach every single Sunday without fail. And which we did. And it just the way they were treating us up until this point, it just felt like it was purposeful. So at that point with Lena being so sick and me working so much and being exhausted because I was working overnight shifts uh, to make more money, uh, we just decided that we would stop going for a little while and take a break. And then that's when Lena found the CES letter. So one of the questions was who lost their faith first. And I don't, I don't think anybody lost their faith first. It kind of happened together. Like we were already kind of on the brink, you know, we already had experiences of doubt and confusion prior to getting married, the both of us. 
So I was on a LDS Wives Anonymous page. <laughs> I forgot that's where you found and it. And someone posted that their husband had found the letter and was begging her to read it. And she came onto this form to ask advice, like, should I read it? I'm scared of what I'm going to find. And everyone in the comments was telling her, like, don't read it. Leave him. There's no way he's the same man that you married after oh, reading God. that letter. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is happening over here? And so I felt like if I were to give my two cents, I should read this CES letter and see what it's about. And I had never heard of it prior. So I came home from work one day, or I don't remember where I came home. I was out somewhere. I think you were at work. I think I was at work. I came home and she was waiting for me and she was like, I read something today and I need you to read it. It's about the church and I just need you to read it and tell me what you think. I was so nervous because I felt like I had dragged him kicking and screaming back into the church so we could get married in the temple. And basically almost right away after reading it, everything I had questioned, all of my doubts, all of the things I have wondered about, all of it kind of came to a head and it was immediate. I like, it was like word vomit. Like I couldn't keep it from him. I had to tell him and I was so afraid, but it was I, like, I couldn't keep it in. It was giving me so much anxiety. And keep in mind, I was raised in the church from the day I was born. I was raised in the church. So I downloaded the PDF on my phone and I started reading through it. I read the whole thing in one go. He's a very quick reader, to be fair, because it's a large document. It's a very large document, but I read the whole thing in, I think, a couple of hours, if that. And my whole world, my whole universe, really, collapsed. It started to crumble and break, and I cried. I was so horrified. And it sparked the most intense studying that I have ever done in my entire life for probably a year after that I was reading documents and I was reading manuscripts and I was reading books and I was listening, we were listening to podcasts, Mormon stories, you know, all of this was just building and building. And I was so angry because my whole world was a lie, but it, this is the kind of thing that can drive a marriage apart. But for us, it just kind of, drew us closer together we we fell from the church together we removed our garments at the same time and we got rid of them at the same time and it was catharsis and we did all of this holding on to each other for support because our worlds were collapsing and the only thing that we knew was that we were together that no matter what was fake about the church what was wrong with the church nothing was wrong with us we were one person going through the same struggle and it was it's really what solidified our marriage mm -hmm. leaving the church together really just, like just fused us into Trauma who we are today. bonding absolutely <laughs> but i it gave us a really unique opportunity to examine you know why are we why do we want to be parents you know why are we choosing the careers we're choosing you know do we want to live here in Utah forever? How do we want no. to raise our kids? What do we think about God 
and the afterlife and uh, religion in general. And, and we got to really dissect all of that together, which is nice because not only do you get, you know, that support, um, you know, but you have someone that you really trust that you get to like bounce ideas off of and be vulnerable with. And, you know, an experience as difficult as, you know, losing your faith, you know, especially we didn't just lose faith in the church. It we was lost, everything. We lost God at that. We point. lost everything. And so, you know, you really, you really do lean on each other. And, you know, we found a lot of online support and ex Mormon groups and things like that. And, you know, over time we just, you know, we still, I think the grieving process is forever, you know, trauma and PTSD when people ask me what it was like for me being raised in the church to leave the church, I always tell them that it was violent. It was, it was a surgical removal of a piece of my soul. It was everything that I'd ever believed in. Even when I had left the church previously, I always really believed it. I always just didn't want to do it. And so for me to find out how much of it wasn't true and how it was really built and what was going on behind the scenes, it felt like something was actually cut out of me. It was a really traumatic experience. And even still to this day, it hurts. I hear a hymn and I'm suddenly 12 years old again. You know, I spent every Sunday of my life basically for 20 years in a church building spent every Wednesday at youth activities. I went camping with people from my church. My church was my community. It was the only group I ever belonged to. So to lose that was traumatic. It was a lot to go through. So I wouldn't have chosen this if it wasn't really, if it wasn't important if it wasn't something where I saw the problems with the church, I wouldn't have chosen this. What he said. So yeah, we trauma bonded over that. Um, how has our marriage improved? Dramatically. Dramatically. Communications better. We don't pray to make an important decision anymore talk we just make the decision together we discuss the logic of it the pros and the cons can we do this financially can we handle this you know x y and z we go through it with logic and with critical thinking so all of our decisions uh financial moving getting a third cat having kids <laughs> all of it all of it was decided by us we didn't rely on any mystical third party uh, as far as communication goes, I'm not afraid to tell her things anymore uh, about who I am, what I want to do. And the same goes for her. She tells me who she is. Both of us uh, came out to each other as being bisexual. That was something that was horrifying for me. I was terrified that she would find out that I was bisexual when we were first married because that's not okay when you're Mormon. <laughs> it's just not. You can't be bisexual in a marriage because that means that you're at least part gay. 
And that means that you're not a worthy priesthood holder. You can't be the father and the husband that you're supposed to be. You know, I, we've been able to explore each other and find out more about each other than we ever would have had we stayed in the church. We would have been this cookie cutter Mormon family and it would have been miserable. Maybe cookie cutter in the sense of like Utah Mormon, but also I think we also, you know, we would have proudly stood out with, you know, our histories and used that as a way to, you know, help and encourage other people to get into the church. We definitely would have continued on that path. And I, you know, it opened up a lot of exploration, you know, for those gender roles, you know, do I want to be a stay at home mom? Is it horrible if he wants to be a stay at home dad? Um, You know, he no longer presided over me. You know, we were Mm -hmm. two people equally living a life, coming together and choosing to walk on the same path together. And there, we, we don't um, believe that we'll be together in the next life, which is like sad, but also it, it makes it a lot easier to just enjoy the time we have together right now. We make the most of it right now. Yeah. Because Living this in the moment. might be all we get. We don't know what happens. We don't know. So we're doing what we want. Yep. When we want. With each other. Yep. Um, politically, we changed as well. We completely flip-flopped. We started looking at things outside of what we were told to think. Uh, you know, we we weren't thinking of political things through the lens of the Bible and the Book of Mormon anymore. So we were able to critically tackle what we thought was wrong with what we were preaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, I recovered a lot of friendships that I'd lost when I went full Mormon um, because the beliefs that I were, that I was preaching and screaming from the hilltops um, went against a lot of what my friends were. A lot of my friends are transgender and a lot of my friends are gay or bi. And I was preaching against their legality. Their own being. Yeah. Their, only, their own self. It was, it was a mess. And so I feel like we came out the other side of our faith crisis stronger. Mm-hmm. Both as a couple, uh, our marriage was stronger, but also as individuals. We were able to be ourselves individually. We didn't have to stay the person that we were when we got married. We're, we can change and grow and be different. Yeah. All for the good. I agree. All Our marriage best. changed a lot in, in literally all the ways, you know, and I, and I do feel like we learned a lot from each other, you know, going through that process and, um, you know, despite what could possibly be the norm, it didn't you know, cause a rift. And there, there was some awkwardness between, you know, family members who were in the church, but even over time, that's kind of dissipated. And there's a lot of acceptance that has came, you know, since then. So, you know, I do feel like us leaving the church together was, was pivotal. I don't know how it would have fared if one of us would have put our foot down. No, I don't, I, I really feel for those who are in mixed faith relationships, people who have left the church, but their spouse hasn't. It was such a hard thing for me to do. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have Lena. So the last question we have is what advice 
would we give to a married Mormon couple who one or maybe both of them are kind of questioning their faith? Don't hold it in. Don't pretend, you know, as far as, as far as like telling your spouse what you believe, talk about it. Don't lock each other out. You have to have the conversation. Communication is the biggest part of it. That's how we got through. If Lena had never told me that she was struggling and she'd found the CES letter and it, you know, had damaged her faith and that she was struggling with that, I would have continued to gone to, to go to church. I would have continued to study my scriptures because I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. That's what I was supposed to do. And to uphold her faith, I would continue to build mine. I would have continued to push for the temple. And if she didn't believe that, that would have been really hard for her to just keep to herself. And I would have had no idea she was struggling. The conversation isn't always going to be easy, but it's important to have that open line of communication. Going along with that, like I, you know, like you said, it may not be easy. And there, there is a tendency for, for, I say you in general terms for someone, you know, you to maybe want to like tiptoe around your significant other's feelings. That's normal. You don't ever want to like hurt your spouse. You don't want to hurt the person you love and the person you chose to spend the rest of your life with. Um, however, you know, you also are responsible for yourself and for your own mental health. And I, I stand by, um, you know, doing what you can to protect yourself. And if that means telling your significant other, I don't want to go to church. I'm struggling with my faith. Like, I, I, I know this is hard for you to accept. Um, don't force yourself in a situation that's bad for your mental health just to appease the emotional, spiritual, whatever, you know, to protect yourself first. Hopefully they will at least be open to communicating so they can understand. They may not be happy. If you come to your spouse and you say something along the lines of, I learned something that I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around, they should be open to saying, let's talk it through. If you say, I learned something today about the book of Abraham, or I learned something today about Joseph Smith, and I'm having a really hard time coming to terms with that, it should be okay to have a conversation about that. If you're letting the church rule your marriage, then it's not your marriage. It's not yours at that point. At that point, it becomes the church's marriage. You're just one of the people in it. And of course, there's, you know, the fear of what happens about eternity. But there's also the importance of tackling what's happening in front of you right now. And if one person is going through a faith crisis or a faith transition and the other one is maybe holding strong or maybe they're like, you know, one foot in or what whatever, I know that the church really you know, hammers it in that it's like, 
scary and terrifying to be connected with someone who leaves. So again, I'm going to put it out there. This is for men and women. It, it doesn't need to be gender specific, but if your relationship isn't safe and secure enough to have that discussion openly, take it to a therapist. You know, if you really are concerned, I've had friends tell me that if they told their spouse that they didn't believe in the church anymore, that they would automatically be divorced. And I don't think that's healthy. So I definitely would recommend therapy. I recommend going to someone who handles faith transitions not and things at that late. Don't, don't go to your bishop. I Do don't recommend not that. Go to a bishop for marriage counseling. Please that don't. is that is not their job. Please don't. That is not their job. If that's the advice we give you, let that be it. Don't go to your bishop. Go to a real professional outside of the church because if the therapist is a good therapist they're happy to bring your religion into it and they're happy to help you work through that absolutely but a bishop my bishop was a roofer he he didn't know any he was not trained to do anything like this that was not what his job was so he might have had some kind of experience with his marriage and everything but it's not for him to give you the advice for your marriage. There are trained professionals who can do that for you. Yep. Uh, find common ground. Um, it doesn't need to be marriage ending. Um, we're probably not the best people to ask because we were on the same page almost from the very beginning. Um, marriage on a tightrope is a really wonderful podcast regarding this very thing. I will link it below. Uh, Mormon Stories podcast has dozens, if not hundreds, of mixed faith couples, couples who have gone through it together, divorced experiences because of this. I highly recommend going to those resources if that's something you're super struggling with, something you're really curious about. Um, but honestly, I think the best advice is to just continue to acknowledge the individual you married um, and not the idea of the afterlife that you envisioned with them easier said than done, of course, but you know, you married a human, they're going to be imperfect. They're going to have flaws. They're going to be concerned about things that concern them that cross their moral boundaries. Um, do your best to be open and, you know, reciprocate respect, appreciate one another, appreciate one another. You know, the best advice I can give at this point in time to any couple dealing with anything is do it together. Do it together. If you if try you to can. tackle this, if you can, if it's safe for you, if it's okay for you to do so, do it together. Yeah. If you don't do it together, it's, if you're just growing by yourself, it's harder to grow as a couple. Going through this journey with Lena was the only thing that made, made it okay truth all right my friends that's what we've got today like this video comment below if you have any more questions for isaac i'll or be back me. he'll definitely be back um hopefully meg and i will be back together next week so make sure you subscribe if you're watching us on youtube follow if you are listening on apple podcasts spotify google play whatever it is. Um, we appreciate you. We love you. Thanks for listening to more than Mormon. 
We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. It was really, it was a great time. You know, I was planning, I was trying to think of something fun and funny to do. I was going to propose with lava cakes from Domino's, <laughs> which were her favorite Those, snack at the time. Yeah, so there, was there a Domino's? <laughs> mm -hmm. Was it a um, Domino's or was it a Papa John's that was like right next to where you, you lived? Do you remember that? It was that? a Little Caesars. No, 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 no. It was like right downstairs. We would go all the time. It's like across the street from the stadium. I think it was Papa John's. I think you're right about that, Papa John's. There was a Little Caesars that we went to all the time that was across the street the other way. So after we got tired of those <laughs> options, we would order Domino's lava cakes in particular that was that was one of her favorite snacks she loved lava cakes and so i was going to open up a box of lava cakes ones. and you know what she, whoever she... said that food is a way to a guy's heart does not know what an italian woman wants <laughs> okay i want food too i have a video of her brandishing a wooden spoon at me Anyway, it was very fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the More Than Mormon podcast. If you made it this far, then you're definitely worthy to enter the Telushto kingdom. Wait, is that the good one? <laughs>